Father, we're grateful for this day and grateful for uh, the grace that's provided to us. Uh, grateful that uh, you do uh, work in time uh, with even before the church that you've uh, revealed things uh, over different uh, dates and time to different people uh, that we can better understand you. And we are uh, now sitting at a point where we're uh, at the end of a lot of things that have been revealed. And we know that there are still some things out there uh, left to come, uh, but we can better understand the church by those things that have happened in the past and how you continue to uh, uh, reveal those things to the the church and to those people that need it. So we pray that as we uh, continue through this study that it would enhance our understanding of, of how you work and how you operate. And by that, we might be able to be better servants of you at the end of the day. And we pray this in your son's name. Amen. All right. And so uh, as you look at any uh, entity, any uh, regular entities within the world system, you don't just... Uh, start at a place and continue to stay there. Usually you uh, learn information and then you develop over time, right? There's, there's not something where, uh, even if you look at a baby, what would a baby be? What would Ben be if he just stayed in that state that he's in right there for the rest of his life? <laughs> Wendy says she doesn't want to take care of a perpetual baby, right? <laughs> Um, and so there are some expectations uh, in business, in, in schooling, and in anything that you're in that you start off in a certain place and over time you develop more and more and more, right? Until you uh, get to that place of, of mastery of whatever that is that you're working in. Well, uh, the church is never going to get to a place where we're masters of what we do, but we have developed from where the church began. And what you see in the book of Acts is the church in its infancy. You see something that's transitioning from a, a whole religion that was wholly focused on keeping and observing the law to going into living by something that was different, living by grace. And how easy, put your mind in the minds of these people who have been trained from a child, even from Cohen's age, that this is how you're supposed to do things, right? You learn all of these things about the customs and the history of your, your uh, not just your, your religion, but your people. And those things are extremely important to you. You get to a certain age, as, as I believe 11 or so years old, where you're supposed to be able to read the Torah. And all of these things are, are playing into your understanding about how life should be. And then after that... Uh, you, you start to grow and, and understand more and more. Well, think about that and then think about these people that have been raised up in this uh, line of thinking. And then it changes. Everything changes to where you're no longer under law. Now you're under grace. That would be a, a culture shock to your system, right? You've been given this Holy Spirit now that you're able to discern certain things. Whereas before you were more reliant on the priest and, and the, the structure that was in place. Now you're able to make some individual decisions. So we're going to see through the book of Acts that that took a lot of time. <laughs> it took time for people to fully understand what was going on and how to operate in this new way. Now we're going to do this study, I think, 
just to see that evolution, how the church grew from this Judaism, uh, this background of Judaism into grace. And so uh, what we'll see is the church was still observing law after the sending of the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit was sent in chapter two of the book of Acts. And you see all throughout the book there that there's still elements of the law uh, being observed. You see that the, the apostle Paul, for instance, what did he do when he went to every city that he came into? Did he first go seek out Gentiles and say, I'm looking for the Gentiles to, to save them and bring them into the church? Nope. He headed straight for his synagogue and he did give the gospel, but it was to those Jews first. And so we'll see uh, that element of it. We also see that the Apostle Paul himself struggled with the observance of law. Go with me over to, to Romans chapter 7. And we've been here before with this just to uh, set up the introduction here. Where are you? Oh, okay. These things tend to overlap sometimes. <laughs> And this is one of uh, a really sad moment here when you look at the Apostle Paul that one that had all the revelation that he had here uh, could still struggle with this thing of law. Um, and so you understand that as men are concerned, as we're speaking of men, there's nobody that's perfect, right? There's no one who's going to be able to, to get it perfectly and understand it right 100% of the time. And even when we understand it, right, do we always conduct ourselves uh, in that manner? Uh, and so you see this. But in verse one, it says, know ye not, brethren, for I speak uh, to them that know the law, how that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth. For the woman uh, which is uh, hath a husband is bound by law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loose from the law of her husband. So then, if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law, so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. Wherefore, my brethren, you are, you are also become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that you should mar be married to another, even to him who uh, is raised out from the dead. Uh, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. For when we were in the flesh, the motions or, or passions there of sins, which were by the law, did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. But now we are delivered from the law, that being dead, wherein we were held, that we should serve in a newness of spirit, not the oldness of, of, of the letter. And so you see here, Paul uh, with a clear understanding of, of the deliverance and the victory that we have uh, over our sin nature and not having to live uh, according to law. But then you see him pointing back to something where he had uh, trouble with this at a point in time. In verse 7 it says, What shall we say then? Is the law sin? May it never come to be. Nay, I had not known sin, but by the law. For I had uh, not known lust, except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. So this is a, a, a easy thing to see here. Uh, you don't know your own sin nature unless there's something telling you that what you're doing is wrong. Right now, I do think that there's some inherent parts. And we see over in Romans chapter two of man that that certain things uh, probably are clearly understood by our nature that they're not right. Right. 
So as you look to things like murder, I don't think there's many people in the world that think it's okay to just go out and randomly murder someone. Even people that are murderers, you see them when they're caught up. There are some that are cold-hearted and show no, no thought to it, but most of the people that I see, they break down like babies and start crying when they're in the interrogation room. And these hardened killers that you've seen before, go and watch the first 48, <laughs> and you see them just breaking down like babies when they get them in the, that interrogation room and show the, the proof against them. Uh, but for the most part, uh, just think about it. If you're driving down the road uh, and there's not a speed limit, what are you going to do? Well, some people are going to drive slow. That's just how they drive. But <laughs> some people are going to zoom down that road as fast as they can, right? And they're not going to think a second thought about it. Uh, I might or might not be one of those ones that would be <laughs> zooming. Uh, but in verse 8 it says, But sin, taking occasion... By the commandment wrought in me all manner of concupiscence. That word for concupiscence is our word for lust. For without the law was sin dead. Uh, or sin was dead. For I was alive without the law once. But when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. And the commandment which was ordained to life, I found to be unto death. For sin taken occasion by the commandment deceived me. And by, uh, or really there through it, slew me. Wherefore, the law is holy and the commandment uh, holy and just and good. And so, uh, as we see, there's, there's nothing wrong with laws. They're just words, right? The, the Mosaic law, any quality of law that you can make, uh, any standards that you want to set for yourself, even individual laws to do things that are right, there's nothing wrong with those. There's something wrong with us. And so we're not going to be able to keep those. In verse 13, it says, was then that which is good made death unto me, may it never come to be. But sin that it might appear sin worketh death in me uh, by that which, what, which is good, uh, that sin by the commandment might become exceeding sinful. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold, sold under uh, sin. For that which I do, I do not allow. For what I would or I desire... That do I not, but I, uh, what I hate, that I do. Now it gets a little uh, confusing here with his speech as you read through, but in verse 16, If then I do that which I would not, or I don't desire, I consent unto law that it is good. Now then, uh, it is no more I that do it, but sin uh, which dwelleth in me. And really there you can look at that sin nature, that nature in him that desires to do that which is counter to law. And so why do we always say it? Um, you you want to see the sin nature of a person. Tell them they can't do anything and them not be spiritual. <laughs> You're going to see it come out. We don't like being told what to do. We don't like to be told not to do something that we want to do. And so you'll, you'll see that uh, uh, come out. And it played out here with Paul. Uh, we won't continue through the context, as I'm sure you guys have read through here before. But you see that same struggle there with Paul of how do I get to perform the thing which I, I think is, is good or I'm supposed to do? He found that law was not the way, right? And so we see this as a, a struggle that he had uh, once upon a time. Um, also, we see that uh, there was confusion uh, in the early church, or really here uh, presently with some of the early church principles. 
And so I think this is good for us to look at uh, with reference to this study. And so as you think of the church's transition and going through the book of Acts, there are churches now that I think, and this is just my opinion, I won't uh, make you guys to believe it or, or state it as fact, but I think a lot of the confusion that churches have is because of this book right here, as they look in the book of Acts. And there's just a lot of misunderstandings. They see things that the church was doing early and they think these are things we're supposed to be doing now. And I cited the example uh, last time we talked about it, even in, in the place that I work. What is the whole basis for what they do as far as the, the sharing model is concerned? They take it and, and state it clearly right out of chapter two of the book of Acts or chapter four, where it says they had everything in common. Well, I don't see us having everything in common here. And last time I asked you guys a couple weeks ago, people were pretty much unanimous that they didn't want to have everything in common here. <laughs> so you guys keep your, your individual uh, goods to yourself and we'll just keep living how we're supposed to live under grace. Uh, but we see uh, there's a difference between uh, corporate church function, individual uh, responsibilities, and understanding eschatology. And I think all of these are elements of things that you see in the book of Acts. And so here's, uh, as we mentioned before, a confusion of law and grace, uh, a confusion of outreach. And so what are we supposed to be doing as churches? Are we supposed to be reaching out to the lost to get them saved? Or is that a, a responsibility, responsibility of individuals as they live out this, this life according to grace? Um, we're going to uh, hopefully clearly define that. Now, as you look at some of the individual responsibilities that there's confusion on, I think gifts are a huge one of those. Uh, spiritual gifts that you see uh, that were very active through, throughout the book of Acts, uh, a lot of people think are in action today. Uh, and I'm going to hopefully show you through this. We can even see in Scripture where some of these things were, were starting to, to trail off. And the pastor did a good job when he was setting up his uh, series on spiritual gifts of kind of showing that, that there were some things that they needed to do in that point in time in Scripture as you're moving from, from being a law-based uh, group into being under grace that are not necessarily necessary today. Uh, why do we need someone to do miracles today to validate the message of God? Any of you guys struggling to understand that this is God's word here? Has he not said anything in here that we need? I don't, I don't find anything that's not there in scripture as far as us uh, in our necessity to live out the Christian life. Uh, so we have everything there. Uh, speaking in tongues. We'll look at the uh, gift of speaking in tongues and kind of see uh, there was a necessity for that. They needed that. As you talk about taking the word to different places, they didn't have their Google phone and they could just look on and say, let me type in this message of what this person just said and let me relay back to them what, what God is trying to tell them. Uh, there was none of that. There was not technology in the way that there is now. Uh, so there was a need for those gifts uh, and we will see that. And the Christian life. So by uh, not clearly understanding how to live uh, free from law, you're going to have confusion. And we see that today. All of these different churches, and I won't name just one group because there are many that are struggling to know how do we conduct ourselves in this Christian life 
by grace. There's even a lot of churches that I would say believe in living by grace, and yet they're still living in elements of law. And so I think, again, that comes from uh, this confusion and misunderstanding. Also, I threw the uh, eschatology part in there. Go with me over to Acts chapter 1. And there's just a quick mention of something here. And we'll develop this out more as time goes on. There's really something that we'll see in chapter 2 as well. Uh, But there's some misunderstanding concerning eschatology. And what I mean when I say eschatology for you that haven't been able to be here on Monday nights. This is a study of last things or the study of end times. And so as you look at those things that relate to uh, what's going to happen after this dispensation of grace, that is uh, in relationship to eschatology. But remember, uh, we, we kind of talked about this, I believe, last week uh, or the week before last. And as you look at the Lord about to depart here and he's about to ascend into heaven. And where is their mind? Are they focused on what they're supposed to be doing on this earth? I think the Lord prepped them pretty well for the fact that he was going to go and there were going to be things that they were supposed to carry out on the earth. And yet you can see here where their mind still was. It wasn't on doing things that are on the earth. Their uh, uh, mind was on the kingdom coming. And so we see that here. Uh, Pick it up in verse five. It says, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized Uh, with the Holy Spirit, not many days hence. When they were come together again, they asked him, or really here, they were asking, they were repeatedly (laughs) asking of him, uh, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? And so they weren't thinking of the church and thinking of these things that are going to uh, uh, be available for the church to to, uh, accomplish They were looking for the kingdom to come to the earth, as these young Jewish men always were raised to think. This was an expectation that Israel had, that God is or the Lord is going to come back and establish his kingdom upon the earth. And this is what they're asking him, knowing that he's just been crucified and that he's about to ascend into heaven. Uh, They want this kingdom to be established. And so people will look at that. And there is some misunderstanding concerning the kingdom of the heavens and concerning our role within that. As you get over to chapter two, Peter explains what's happening in the day of Pentecost and with the coming of the Holy Spirit. And there's going to be misunderstanding regarding what he said there. Uh, We won't go to that part now uh, as we're going to get to it a little bit later on uh, in the series, but uh, we'll keep building. And so eschatology. those those understandings about the rapture as well as the millennial kingdom uh, will be things we'll look at. We'll also uh, look at the confirmation of the current church. And so understanding uh, that the past helps to understand the present. And we kind of talked about that as we uh, started off, that you can't understand anything without knowing the history of something. Uh, There's a lot of people in this time today and how blame uh, these younger generations Uh, mine included, that just disregard the past. Act like there's no importance to anything that's not happening right now as if there weren't people that existed before these people that are now. I think the understanding comes from uh, we being at the apex of of revelation of everything and everyone is so smart today that we don't need anything from the past. Well, 
I'm reminded of people that say, if, if you don't know your history, you're doomed to repeat the failures of the past. And so as you look to an understanding of the book of Acts and knowing what happened in that book and why it happened, knowing how the church developed throughout time, it's going to help your understanding of what we should be doing uh, in the present. And so we'll look at that. We also see that understanding the function of the early church provides clarity to the present. So those things that people uh, struggle with because they're trying to superimpose what we're supposed to be doing onto those things that are in Scripture won't be as big of an issue. Now, the areas of study that we're going to look at, we're going to look at the preparation for the church. And so we know that the Lord talked about and prepared a lot for this before he left. And so we'll go back to the upper room discourse. Uh, go back with me just there really quickly to the book of John. And pick it up in uh, chapter 13. Now, there were some very important things that were said here, but one of the most important things that we're going to see is the understanding and development of love and understanding what love truly is and, and being able to sacrifice of yourself. And you see this provided in an example by the Lord. And in chapter 13 and in verse one, it says, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own, which were in the world. He loved them until the, until the end. Uh, and uh, supper being ended, the devil having now uh, put into Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand, and that he was come from God and went to God, he riseth, uh, he riseth for supper, or from supper, excuse me, and laid aside his garments and took aside a towel and girded himself. After then, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel wherewith he was girded. Then cometh he, uh, cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter said unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, what I do, thou knowest not now, but thou shalt uh, hear, know hereafter. But uh, Peter saith unto him, that thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. And so uh, what you see here is not just uh, the washing of the feet. And people have these feet washing ceremonies and things that they do. Uh, we've never decided to take that up here. Uh, <laughs> I think it's pretty disgusting. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> I got a, an agreeer back there. Um, but this was to show forth love and to show forth uh, sacrificing on behalf of someone else and setting up that ultimate sacrifice that he was about to make. And it had nothing to do with just the, the washing of the feet. Now, some might say that that's a definite sign of love if you would have thought about some of these people's feet and, and how, how uh, disgusting they must have been back in those times. Brother Don says they were probably pretty smelly. <laughs> but as you... <laughs> I'm going to try to keep that visual out of my head. 
but we we understand that he was setting up what love truly is. Now it's very interesting, and remember a couple of weeks ago when we talked about this, when uh, the Lord came to Peter after he had resurrected, and remember Peter uh, told him he loved him, he was very fond of him, and he was thinking that he's he's saying something that's truly exceptional there, right? I think he really genuinely thought that this emotional love that he had for the Lord was the best thing that he could have offered him. And the Lord sets up for him, no, I don't think you even are fond of me. You definitely don't agape me. Uh, and, and we think about it because we see these words love and it's just the same word over and over again. But he was clearly saying one word and Peter was saying another, right? He's saying uh, uh, phileo. And, and uh, excuse me, Peter saying phileo, the Lord saying agape. Do you agape me? Are you willing to sacrifice of yourself on behalf of me? And so uh, this is something we're going to see is very important to the early church, having to learn that ability to love and to allow the Holy Spirit to work through you, to change you to where it's not emotional, right? Our emotions go like this. They're up and down. They're all over the place. But when you're directing love through where you've been regenerated in the, in the uh, part of your spirit, then that's going to dictate all of the other stuff. And it's going to happen in the right way. Uh, and so we'll see that. Uh, and so this will be a big part of it. Looking back at the upper room and remember verse 34, pick it up at th verse 31. He says, therefore, uh, when he was gone out, uh, Jesus said, now is the son of man glorified and God is glorified in him. If God be glorified in him, God shall also glorify him in himself and shall straightway glorify him. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You shall seek me. And as I said unto the Jews, whither I go, you cannot come. So now I say unto you, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, in order that you also love one another. Uh, by this, all men shall know that you are my disciples, if you love or have love one to another. And so uh, you see here, uh, really, the development of what's being set up for First uh, Peter chapter 3. Uh, people are going to recognize and see your evangelism when you're living out the Christian life in the right way. And you're showing forth those parts of the fruit of the Spirit, namely love, when you're able to love one another in the right way. Now, I think as it relates to the early church, they and we're going to see this, they didn't have a complete understanding of this. And that's something that had to to develop throughout the uh, book. And so uh, we see here before the upper room. Uh, also, we're going to look at uh, some of the other verses in the gospel that relate to uh, how the Lord set up in preparation for the church. And then, of course, uh, after his resurrection. Uh, we also will look at the early church in Acts and understand uh, the new commandment, as we saw there, was given to them, as well as the uh, origin and focus. Uh, and, and remember, a lot of it relates to Israel and has elements in Israel. You don't even see them going really out to Gentiles until the 10th chapter of Acts. And so you start seeing what happens there. Peter uh, was told or given that vision where uh, he saw... Uh, these animals that he wasn't supposed to be eating coming down out from heaven. And uh, the Lord told him to take them and eat. And so 
Uh, what does he say? Not so, Lord. He didn't say right away, yes, yes, Lord, I'll do it. He said, no, I've never, I've never eaten anything defiled or unclean, uh, as if the Lord didn't know that already. Uh, and so Peter had to learn there uh, that it was okay. It's God that calls things unclean and says what's, what's uh, clean and not clean. Uh, and so you see uh, there the ability of him to go in, on, uh, into the Gentiles uh, soon following, and we'll look at that. We also see uh, the sending of the Holy Spirit, and we want to look at uh, that in great detail in chapter 2. Uh, we'll see the transition from law, and we'll see, uh, again, the spiritual gifts. Uh, but the, the latter church epistles we're also going to look at and, and see how the church was conducting after the fact, uh, specifically some of the things that changed. Now, as you're looking at, uh, think of a few things here right off the top of my head as you go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And what's the focus of the, the context there in chapters 12 as well as 13 and 14 that follows? You had the Corinthian church that was not using their gifts correctly. You have believers there that are, are, are puffed up that they have certain gifts and saying, well, I have this gift and I'm just going to show it off in front of people. And, right? and not using their gifts for edification and to build up one another. And so as the, the fame love chapter comes in uh, chapter 13, that chapter is not uh, the whole totality of what love is. That's showing you how to use your spiritual gifts in love. And so uh, he comes in and breaks down what love truly is because they weren't doing it. They weren't using their gifts properly. Uh, and then uh, he goes on to say in that chapter that some of these gifts are going to fade away. Uh, and we'll, we'll get into that in great detail. We'll also look at the fact of uh, as things developed in advance, we see certain gifts really starting to fade away. Now, you have to allude to it a little bit. It's not clearly stated. But why couldn't Paul heal certain people that were sick? If Epaphrodites was sick, for instance, and this is his dear friend, and it's bringing him great grief that Epaphrodites was sick. And Epaphrodites being sick was even bringing himself grief because other people were, were sorry that he had been sick. Why didn't Paul heal him? Theoretically, he had the ability, right? We've seen him bring people back from the dead. Would have been very easy for him to just go and touch whatever that ailment was he had and, and to heal him. We also see over, uh, as he's talking to Timothy, he tells him to drink a little wine. Why? Because he, he had some infirmity that was going on. He didn't heal it. He told him to, to drink something to heal it. And so I think that's, that's clear. Uh, and what we're going to do is set up the timeline so that we can show and illustrate, hey, these things were being done a lot early on. These things started to fade off as, as time went. And so that'll be an interesting part of what we're doing uh, as well. Now, I want to stop there and we'll come back next week and start getting into the meat of what we're going to look at with the early church in Acts. And we'll probably spend a lot of time uh, in the book of Acts because I think it's a book that we don't often look at. And, and to be able to have time to go into it and, and see some of these things bear out, I think is fruitful. Uh, Brother Don has inspired me to, to look at some things that aren't often looked at. So <laughs> there you go, Brother Don. Shout out to you. Uh, but we'll be looking quite a bit in the book of Acts and then we'll work our way through uh, some of the epistles. Uh, but with that, let's bow in a word of prayer and we'll uh, go into the next part. 
Father, we're grateful for this day, uh, grateful again for the grace that you've provided uh, to us, grateful that we're able to see um, uh, clearly your spirit moving and, and people learning how to, to utilize the Holy Spirit and avail themselves to him uh, so that they can accomplish the things that you desire for us to accomplish. We're grateful for those uh, believers that did come before us that uh, helped to establish what we have today. Uh, and by that, we're able to uh, live out this life and glorify you. Uh, we pray that as we uh, continue into our uh, second study, that uh, the Holy Spirit would be as effective in helping us to see uh, in the afternoon session as he was in, uh, this morning. And we pray this in your son's name. Amen.